I'm Jennifer Stevens, and I'm the CEO of JHL. Welcome to Make the Connection. Welcome to the JHL podcast, Make the Connection. My name is Emily Pratt. As I am relatively new to the JHL team, I came to them with over 13 years of event planning experience. I currently have the honor of working for and am currently sitting next to Jennifer Stevens, our fearless leader. Hello. In the 15 years that Jennifer has been at the helms of JHL, the organization has positioned itself in the community as a nonprofit leader. Jen, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about how you've served on some of these boards, et cetera? Sure. I'd be glad to. So I currently serve on two boards here in Austin. One is for an organization called Foster Angels of Central Texas, and the other is the Texas Exes Board. And I, I love my service to both. I have a passion for serving child, organizations focused on children. Uh, so my Foster Angels relationship fills that in my heart, I suppose. And then um, the Texas Texas Board is very special to me because I'm the first person in my family to go to college. And so to go from being the first one to go to college to being on the board of my alumni association um, is very, very special. i paid off my membership to that association in $25 increments for like seven years. So to go from that to being on the board is very cool. But I've previously served on the board and the executive committee of the Austin Chamber and a a number of organizations served on the Coman Austin board for seven years, chaired that board for three. So I believe in giving back, but I do try to limit what I take on to maybe just one or two in any year. Great advice. What does a successful board look like? I mean, you've sat on a lot of these boards. You've seen a lot of people come and go, et cetera. Um, How does that look for you to find that? So, you know, in our business, we consult with so many nonprofits, all different types, service-based organizations, um, arts organizations. It it really doesn't matter uh, the mission of the organization. They all need that leadership at the top. I believe very strongly that things trickle down. So if you've got a strong board that's focused, dedicated to the organization, um, focused on the mission, staying out of the weeds, providing leadership, providing support, uh, then the entire organization will thrive because of that. So I think um, a successful board looks diverse. I think a successful board um, has has a longevity plan in place. I think a successful board has term limits. Uh, and I think some of the keys to success are are a board that holds itself accountable to each other first and lifts and builds an organization. So talk to me about how you define success being on a board. So a successful board member is going to donate time, talent, and treasure. And not everyone can give all three equally, and that's okay. Um, some people have very little time, they're CEO of an organization or whatever, but they can give uh, resources within their company in the form of talent to help, you know, lift up an event or, or support in another way, provide IT services, provide legal services, provide accounting services. Others, uh, maybe they personally don't have much time or much in the way of staff or, or support services to offer, but maybe they can write a big check. And with that check, the organization can go and pay for the resources they need. So every board member should be contributing in, in those three ways, but it's important for an organization to understand that not every board member is going to contribute the exact same three things. And that's a good thing. 
because that diversity is important. But, you know, my rule is everybody's got to row the boat. So, and, and preferably in the same direction. So, you know, as long as everyone that is serving on the board is there to serve the organization, very important they're not there to get something from the organization, which we see a lot, and that's very, very detrimental and terrible. Um, but they're there, they're rowing the boat in the same direction, then then they're going to be in good shape. That board's job is to set vision and really run interference for the staff and 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 hold off the things that can d- divert a staff from core mission. And that empowers the executive director and the staff to get the job done. Um, that piece, that micromanaging piece, can get out of whack. I've seen it a lot. And um, when that happens, if you have a board member, for example, reaching down into uh, an employee and bypassing an executive director of an organization, you know, that is fraught with danger because at that point you've put the employee in a terrible situation. They're going around their boss. You've put the boss, the executive director, the one person you've hired to make sure the board's vision is carried forward. You've put them in a position to not be able to manage to make sure that board mission is carried forward. So a successful board is a board that's giving, they're working together, and they're really empowering the staff, but they're getting out of the way, out of the weeds, and respecting the role of executive director and then staff. And being stewards of the organization within the community as well. No question. They, you know, People ask me, well, how important is it if our board gives? Well, l- let me just say this. <laughs> if you do not have 100% give from every member of your board, then that person that's not giving needs to go, period. Because from, a, from an outsider looking in perspective, they say, okay, well, this is the group of people who should care the most. This is the group of people who have said, count on us to, to govern this organization. If that group of people is not 100% committed to, to that organization, then why in the world would anyone else give them a dollar? So I believe firmly that you have to have a give and get requirement on a board. And, and with that requirement, then you can see everybody give. Now, remember, I just said not everybody can give at the same level. That's okay. Maybe your give get is $1,000. Maybe your give get is $2,500. Anybody can do that through bake sales, emailing their family members, whatever. So it's not an unattainable thing, but it's absolutely critical that people put their money where their mouth is. Absolutely. So kind of going back, what then can a staff do to empower the board? Well, that's a great question. So from a staff perspective, what's important to understand is you've got a group of people who by and large are completely voluntary. Corporate wards are different, obviously, but um, are completely voluntary. They're not getting paid for their time. These people have full-time jobs, families, other obligations, right? So when they come into your organization and are serving in a volunteer board role, your job as staff, staff to executive director and then executive director to the board, is to empower them to have the best information, concise, but the best information available to help them help you. So what do I mean by that? You know, I personally don't think any board meeting in any nonprofit environment needs to last more than an hour. If you can't get it done in an hour, there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with the model of what's going on. But if a staff member is coming to you and saying, you know, we've seen 
X, Y, and Z with this project. Our recommendation is to do A, B, and C. Here are the measures that we're using to bring that forward. What's your thought on this? The board has the information. Okay, here's where we were. Here's how the staff recommends we make a change. Here's why. Here's the research. Then the board can very quickly say, that sounds great. Let's do it. Or they can say, I have concerns about that logic. Could you please go look into this, this, and this, and then report back. Board meetings are not supposed to be long, you know, dissertations or one person's personal opinion. So as a staff, taking all of the information and boiling it down as concise as possible is how you empower your board to be successful for you. How do you recruit or maintain a good board? Well, so... I should have said something a minute ago, so let me say it, and I think it leads directly into this question, which is at, the other thing as a staff that you have to do is meet people where they are. Not every board member, again, going back to what we said at the beginning of our discussion, not every board member's got the same skill set. So if I go to a board member whose network is entirely through the arts and music and that sort of thing, and I say, hey, I'm going to put you on the committee to go find us a new fill in the blank, accountant, they might look at me like I'm crazy. So you need to understand who's on your board, where are their relationships, and how do you empower them to best utilize those relationships for you? Go to the accountant on your board and ask for help finding a new auditor or accounting agency. Go to the person with music relationships on your board and get them to get those in the creative industry involved in your organization. So I think part of what can staff do is understanding that approach to a board is not a one-size-fits-all. You need to meet people where they are and let them bring their best talents and relationships forward for you. So how to recruit a good board member? Well, there's a number of things. First of all, I personally believe you have to always be recruiting, right? Maybe mm -hmm. it's because, you know, Mac is my client and I'm learning from Mac, but, you know, he's such a coach, but um, a great coach, but, but you have to always be recruiting. So you have to be looking constantly at, um, you know, who's that, who's that donor that we've begun to cultivate or who's that new community leader that's up and coming that's showing more and more interest in your organization? And what are you doing to just get them involved and get them involved? And, you know, maybe you make it a low bar to entry. Maybe the first time you ask them to serve on a committee for an event or a committee for a certain project and you work them up to being recruited to be a board member. But you need to always be thinking about who's next. And, um, you know, I personally thought the model that Coman Austin had in place uh, worked really well. You could serve two-year terms and up to three consecutive, and then you were required to roll off no matter what. And I think fresh blood on a board is really important. New energy, new ideas, people that say, I don't understand why we do it this way. That's so healthy for an organization. And so when it comes to recruitment, you've got to always keep your eye out who's coming up next, who's a major donor. You know, a lot of people say, oh, if I could just get corporate money involved in our organization, we'd be in a great place. Well, a lot of corporate entities have a requirement that their employees serve on the board of the organization that they represent. So you don't want an all-corporate board. So prioritize those corporate leaders that you want. Go after those corporate leaders that you want and be very specific about you know, what you're needing from them in exchange for engaging them with the organization. Um, but just constant cultivation, I think, is what's most important. I wanted to go back to something that you were talking about in regards to having a diverse board kind of going 
pretty far back of, you know, having new and old and kind of the, I love how you always say make new friends, but keep the old. And in regards to that, you're with, with bringing in new board members, you're always bringing in new people in the community that maybe don't know about your organization, but love this person, revere this person, and then are brought into your organization's story, you know, so you just never know where that can land. What if you are an ED at an organization and you inherit a stagnant or toxic board? Do you have any suggestions there? Well, yeah. So let's talk about that. And actually, I want to go back to what you just said. So let's talk about diversity. And then I think that leads into this next discussion. So what does diversity on a board look like? It's it's bigger than time, talent, and treasure. Um. Where do people live? You need people from different pockets of the community. You know, you don't want every board member from the same zip code. Um, Who do you serve? And who works with the types of people you serve so that you're bringing in area experts, especially if you're a service organization, right? So, for example, on the Komen board, when we were recruiting, I I was like, we need an app, you know, we need an oncologist, so, you know, just some logic. So where do they live? What's their profession? You don't need three accountants, but you probably need one. You don't need four corporate leaders, but you probably need one. So I really try to say, okay, where do they live? What industries do they represent? What areas of expertise could they bring in our service mission? Um, you know, really looking for are really looking at diversity through a very broad definition. It's not about male or female or skin color. It's about all of the above, male, female, ethnicity, neighborhoods, area expertise, industry expertise. Uh, Can they meet the needs of our service-based organization? Will they give? What's their history of other board service? All of these things go into what makes up the right diversity of a board. So then what do you do when you get a bad one? (laughs) Well, I guess let me say this. If you have a toxic member of your board, my first words of wisdom are, take a deep breath, you're not alone. We have dealt with so many clients over the years who are trying to navigate around a toxic board member through a toxic board member. And it's always the same answer to me. I will say, what are you doing? And why is this person continuing to drag the organization down when remember, the number one thing that every board member should be doing is rowing the boat in the same direction and lifting an organization. And the answer is 100%, it's always the same. Well, but they bring blah fill in the blank. It might be a donor, specific donor relationship that exists through that person. It might be their father founded the organization. It might be, well, but they have served us for 30 years and we've always had them on the board. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. My belief is that no one person is bigger than any organization and no organization should be held captive to any one person. I promise you, That even if that person is bringing the largest donor relationship to your organization, the toxicity coming out of that person is costing you more than that donor check. I promise. So what do you do? Well, first of all, anybody serving on a board 
has to understand they have a fiduciary duty and responsibility to to govern that organization in a way that they know is the healthiest way to govern that organization, or they are not doing their job. So if you are serving on a board and you've got someone toxic on that board, you have a responsibility individually and collectively as a board to take care of that. But the second, uh, well, that's my first point. But really, the thing you can do first is get your bylaws in order now. Mm -hmm. Sit down and say, do we have the fail-safe steps in place in our bylaws now, before we have a problem, hopefully, that allow us a, a process that show us this is step one, this is step two, this is step three, whatever it is, so that you have a path to removing that person. Mm-hmm. Two, every organization should have a legal representation in place, whether that's an in, internal general counsel, which can be sticky with a board relationship external, you know, legal service, whatever it is. But I I would always say do no harm. So make sure you've got your bylaws in order. If you don't have your bylaws in order, get your bylaws in order and, and consult with legal counsel. But then the other thing that's very important is a governing, most organizations have the larger governing board and then they have the executive committee that does most of the heavy lifting and the big work. And when an organization is looking to promote somebody onto their executive committee, they need to be very, very, very careful. Or as I always say, don't hire who you can't fire. Period. Same goes for an organization. Do not put somebody on an executive committee that you think might cause any bit of any bit of challenge to the organization. If you've got so-and-so and they're a big corporate donor and they're on your kind of bigger board and they really kind of are in a place where they can't do any damage, bygones. Maybe you keep them. But don't put that person in a position of authority because you will ruin your organization. So I'd get your bylaws in order. I'd get legal counsel in place. And then, frankly, the members of the executive committee of the organization have to have the courage to sit down and say, here are the things you're doing. We've documented just like we all have to do in our own private industries. You know, we've documented these are the things that happened. And this is why we believe they're detrimental to the organization. We as board members have a fiduciary duty to lift up this organization. And therefore, you know, we as executive committee are going to take a vote of no confidence. And you can either resign or, you know, we'll take it to vote of the full board. But that takes a lot of courage. And people, you know, there's a lot of personal relationships and these other things. It's very hard. But I promise every single time, Every single time, once the organization does it, there's like a, a collective sigh and a breath of fresh air. So it's important. Absolutely. Let's end on this one. And on all of the boards that you have served on, what are the three things that uniformly describe a successful board? So a successful board for an organization is one that gives and doesn't take. Mm-hmm. works together with each other to meet the objectives of the organization. And no one brings an idea without bringing the resources to execute. And I think if those three things are adhered to, then you're going to be in great shape. The world is your oyster. The world is your oyster. But sitting in a room and saying, well, you know what you ought to do is not helpful to an organization. And you know, is a no-no. Sitting in a room and kind of demagoguing about I, 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 
is not helpful and not contributing to an organization. If you'll stick to the basics, you'll be good. I think that that's great. I think it's sage advice. All right, Jen. Well, you never cease to amaze me with your Jenisms. Um, Thank you for taking the time today. And most of all, thanks for being a great boss. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. I'm Jennifer Stevens. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to jhlcompany.com.